Catch you then, buddy. All right, thank you. Hello, by the way, at home. Welcome to the Hill. It is the 1st of December, and do we have some firsts to talk about today? For the first time in a week, rockets have resumed in the Middle East. Israel vowing to take out Hamas in Gaza and beyond. For the first time in 21 years, a member of Congress has been kicked out. His own party went along with it. And for the first time ever, a judge has ruled that a president can be hit with civil lawsuits for what happened when they were in office. It involves Donald Trump and the final weeks of his presidency. Plus, is this a first? One leader is now acknowledging that he wrote a law using Chat GPT, and his fellow lawmakers had no clue. We'll tell you where that happened. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill on a very busy day. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Ford O'Connell, former Trump White House campaign surrogate. Scott Bolden is the former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Mick Mulvaney, the former Trump White House chief of staff, News Nation political and economic contributor as well. And Amisha Cross, Democratic strategist and former Obama campaign advisor. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. So those first, but first, a letter and a warning from five Republican senators led by Florida's Marco Rubio. The senator wrote to President Biden today, allowing him or asking him rather to suspend travel from China to the U.S., just like former President Trump did in January of 2020. Now, it comes as respiratory illnesses are surging across China with a heightened focus on infections in children. Hello to you all. Happy Friday. Nice to have you in once again. Um, Mick, we'll start with you because you, you reminded us yesterday that you were the first member of the COVID task force, not the first head of the COVID task force. Not that we're talking about COVID right now, but we're talking about a surge of respiratory illnesses in China. And now you got Republicans saying cut off travel between the two countries. It's the exact proper conversation to have. We had the former head of the CDC on the show yesterday. And one of the things he said several times was we just don't know that much. We don't know nearly enough. What's implied there is because the Chinese are not telling us. To me, that sounds a lot like COVID. You're right. We don't know if this is COVID. We don't know what this is. It could be anything, right? So you don't want to say this is the next COVID, but there are parallels. If the Chinese are not sharing information, one of the prices they should be paying is travel bans. You, it's you, not the wrong question to ask. You say it's the right conversation to have. Is it the right action to make? Uh, I, until someone can prove otherwise, I think it probably is. Really? Okay. I, I got to build on what Mick just said. I think Rubio is a thousand percent right. We have to be proactive rather than reactive. Remember, this is four years, almost to the day, to the last time we had the same situation. And not only can you not trust the Chinese Communist Party to tell you the truth about what's happening on the ground, you cannot trust the World Health Organization because they're in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party, too. We are flying blind. We have to be Proactive rather than reactive. I don't like Democrats, blind. you're with Republicans I here? I don't like flying blind. I think the conversation, I was with you on the conversation, but not banning because we don't know what we don't know. There are other ways to independently try to figure out what's going on in China. And before we pump the brakes and say you can't travel to China, we need to find out more. I agree with that. I also think that there is no way of telling whether or not someone who's already been infected with whatever that is is already in the United States. Um, A travel ban that is enacted tomorrow is not going to stop anything that may have already been spreading in communities that we may not know about right now until the thing gets bigger. So I think that was one of the issues with COVID as well. Issuing travel bans in and of themselves do not eradicate the spread of any communicable illness. um, 
essentially because you cannot control when somebody came in and had it before. But I'm not going to trust the World Health Organization to keep America safe from And I don't trust the Chinese government, to be, to be honest with us either. I but I do think there are other ways but, that we can put pressure minute, on what, So what are the other ways? Great question. What are the other ways to do it other than a travel ban out of China? Because we already know it's spread to the Netherlands. My question is, what are the other ways? I'll tell you what we did last time, okay? And it did work because we had bad information, which is that we set up checkpoints at airports to look for people with symptoms because we thought that was a good way to keep the people out of the country. That was like the screening with the temperatures and everything. Exactly. Then it turned out you could transfer COVID asymptomatically before you knew you had symptoms. So there again, we were hamstrung by the fact we didn't have good information. So I think it is the right conversation. Uh, I'm not saying we should absolutely have a ban, but it's a serious conversation needs to place now because Amisha's right. The longer you wait, the more people could be coming in without us knowing about it. Yeah, the travel ban stops it from going forward or from communicating it from this point forward if you put the ban in. Correct. But Amisha's right. If they're here already, they're here. you've got other okay. problems. And we haven't defined what these respiratory illnesses are. I don't trust China either. I don't trust China. We Ch- haven't defined it. Well, There's got to be another well, way to I'm define it. What I'm going to say is early news reports say it's mm-hmm. some sort of myst- mysterious pneumonia. It's funny, is someone who wound up in the ICU with COVID, mm-hmm. where it was found to be some pneumonia that they couldn't detect early on. Mm-hmm. All I'm just saying is this seems to be look like Groundhog Day again. CDC, CDC about a pneumonia outbreak says, based on current data, we are seeing about the same number and type of pneumonia cases in children and adults as we typically see this time of year. Yeah, but that was including the Netherlands. The Netherlands is where it spread in Europe. And in, in the Netherlands, they're saying that it's much higher than that. And the problem is, is that by the time it gets here, here we go again, because no one seems to try something different. And I'm concerned that we're visiting, revisiting. Let's find out what it is, tried travel ban last time. Yeah, and the CDC says they're going to continue to closely monitor pneumonia infections and other respiratory infections working with health officials. Got to leave it there. All right. By the way, there was this today. Uh, the United States Congress has been around for 234 years. And today, George Santos became just the sixth House member ever to be expelled. His expulsion comes after being federally indicted on 23 charges and a scathing House ethics report. Now, that report finding that Santos stole campaign money and spent it on, among other things, Botox, Hermes, and OnlyFans. A special election will be held within 90 days to fill the competitive uh, seat. And as you can see, it did not take long for the locks to be changed in Santos's now former office. There it was up on Capitol Hill today. Wow. See ya. Wow. You ain't coming back. Um, Republicans were basically a 50-50 flip on this. Half of them said he should stay. Half of them said he shouldn't. This is a really tough call. It is. And I talked to a bunch of members about this, and they were really torn about it for a variety of reasons. There was folks who said, look, I saw the, the ethics report. I've been involved with ethics reports. I've never seen anything as damning as what came out on George Santos. On the other side, George Santos made a point, and he's not wrong, in that he's the first person ever to get kicked out before being convicted. It's a really, really let's, let's take So, counsel, innocent until proven guilty in this country would be the other side of the argument. Well, but he's in the United States Congress. This is a political process, different a legislative, standard. different standard for sure. The reality is that this is criminal conduct. I mean, it's indicting conduct. I think the Republicans, if I was a Republican, would struggle with that, that close majority, that only that five-person, seven-person gap in the House, and what his exit means, because it's a high probability his seat is going to go to the Democrat. And, you know, you could argue that without the New York Delaware delegation of, of winning in Biden seats in upstate New York and outside New York, I that see, they wouldn't have counsel, the majority. You I see, make I that see, argument. I see yeah, four, but Dems but, are going to win that counsel, House next year. If you want to talk about credible accountability, you ready to throw Senator Menendez so I saw you winding up, and I thought you were ready to go. Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. So Bob Menendez, Democratic senator, 
uh, had a case brought against him many years ago. It was a hung jury, a new case now. And they never brought it again. And they never brought that case again. A, a new case now. With gold bars. Gold bars. With gold yeah, bars. The, 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 hold on. The Justice <laughs> Department and the Biden administration uh, has some very serious charges at the sitting senator's way. That's the and context. If you, had, and if you guys will not ever throw out anybody with criminal conduct on your side. There's a reason why he is what now the sixth person to be expelled since the Civil War. And the reason is simply because of criminal conviction. Because let's get throw all the crooks out of Congress. Guess what? I'm with you. Only half of Congress will still be remaining. <laughs> the thing is that there is a process of expecting certain people to resign. Um, I'm from Chicago originally. Uh, when Jesse Jackson Jr. was caught up in a long list of criminal issues, uh-huh. He resigned. He resigned under claims of something that had nothing to do with his criminal issues. However, he resigned. What we're seeing now is incalcitrant individuals, both in Menendez, as well as what we just saw with George Santos, who refuse, even though paper after paper after paper, investigation after investigation, showcase just how problematic they are, and Santos's are pretty in-depth, refuse so, to step down. So we can, we can have this, this conversation about you know, the, the back and forth. The reality is he's, he's charged with some very serious things, and he's gone. Right. So let's look forward now. You were a member of Congress. You've run for Congress. There is a what now three vote margin that Republicans can only lose. And I would think that the amount of money that is flowing into New York right now over the next 90 days is going to be this is nothing like we've ever seen or close to 20 and 40 million dollars in this race. That's what it's going to be run for the Democrats. It's going to be a very, very close race. Mm -hmm. It's not likely to go Democrat. This is a true swing district. Keep in mind, it was the Republicans. Biden won by 11 points, but but Santos won. Okay, this is this is the Republicans in New York who led this effort to get rid of Santos. But the so, damage done by Santos and the charges against him and how he's conducted his affairs it's going to be a tight is Nobody is saying the he's a good person. Yeah. What I'm trying to tell uh, you is, is that it, only Republicans seem to fall on their sword. And you forgot something else. There's word on the Hill that Kevin McCarthy's going to step down too. Right. So now you're talking Before the about end of the two, calendar year. Exactly. Uh-huh. Now you're talking about a two-seat majority. You think that's, you think that's happening, Mike? I'm hearing the same thing. I, I've not talked to Kevin, so I don't have any inside information, but I've heard the same thing, that he might be gone by the end of the calendar. He might but, decide to leave. But the decide. political problem Process is the political process. You want to throw Menendez out? Yeah. I got a full defense for him before the U.S. No, you like, hold on, hold on. You want to throw him out? Then the Senate ought to throw him out. Then okay, there's a process. No, selling, you, are, you guys threw out Santos. Political favors to Egypt is just as that bad as anything. Who's That's the allegation. I don't care. But you he's only got have allegations against Santos. He's entitled. He's entitled to a defense. Night. Is Newsom DeSantis? Is that what? You're saying? By the way, we know. By the way, talking about this. That's why you have a trial. You're talking about this district. Wait, you got to help me on this. You've got Amisha. Don't look at me. Ford's got Nick. You've got Amisha. I'm just here for the ride. Democratic super PAC quote: George Santos and the MAGA and MAGA Republicans who protected him are a national embarrassment. The House Majority PAC looks forward to doing whatever it takes to flip this district blue in the upcoming special election. It's going to happen. Tom Swazi is a really good candidate for this seat. He's a centrist Democrat. It's going to happen. And it's Republicans' fault that they are even in this position. So joining us now, Congressman Tim Burchett. I think we just got him on the line. Congressman, thank you for being here on the Hill. I heard an interview that you gave earlier today. Uh, in which you said Congress shouldn't be casting stones. And, and your words were, quote, we are a bunch of sinners. And, and I think that was part of your reasoning for voting to, to keep Santos in. Can you explain yourself? Yeah. I mean, we have, we have one Congress member who has had 
uh, at least an ongoing relation for quite some time with a Chinese communist spy. That's been documented. Um, you have one that's possibly violated a uh, immigration laws. You have one that's pulled a fire alarm, which at least in Tennessee, that's a pretty serious violation. And we're not talking about kicking those people out. George Santos hasn't been convicted of anything. And, and in America, we're still innocent until proven guilty. Um, along those lines, I don't know if you were hearing what we were talking about then with, with Bob Menendez. I know you're in the House and he's in the Senate. You're a Republican. He's a Democrat. But if you're for keeping George Santos in, then are you keeping are, are you, you comfortable with, with Bob Menendez staying in? He's not been convicted. Of course, that's up to the Senate. The Senate probably has yeah, different yeah. rules than we do. And uh, But no, I, if, if he has not been convicted, that uh, you're still innocent until proven guilty. I know Speaker guilty. When we you're talking about Trump, he's guilty until we can prove his innocence. But until then, it's, it, 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 you know, nothing should change. Right. Um, speaking of innocent until proven guilty, uh, Congressman, there is uh, likely to be, we're hearing a, a House vote next week uh, to formally authorize an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. I'm wondering what you can tell us about that and if you think that is indeed the appropriate path forward. That's a great question. It is not the impeachment. It's just the inquiry to do that. Right. And it's following a legal process. Uh, Speaker Johnson, is a, is, 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 as you know, has a legal background. It's going to follow the law. And that's what needs to happen in this thing, because, you know, they get all of us up there calling each other names and doing all we can to get clickbait. And that's not going to do anything. And the reality is nothing's going to become of it anyway, because the Justice Department is 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 so conflicted right now. They're not going to they're not going to go after him. So is it a waste of time? Well, I don't think it's a waste of time. I think the American public needs to see what's happening. There's twenty four million dollars that's flowed into that family. And there's no evidence they paid a lick of taxes. I can't imagine anybody, any of your, your guests there um, commentating if they had $24 million flowing into their account, had an email from the bank saying they're not showing any, any um, they're not showing that they're doing anything uh, to get this money. We've got a real problem with it. They had over 20 um, uh, uh, different accounts and different businesses set up just to flow the money through. So there's a lot of questions there. And we, we, we need to get to the bottom of it. We need to find out at present. If, if the president is um, is for sale and if he is compromised. And the latest one was $5 million business venture between Hunter and the Chinese Communist, uh, a member of the Chinese Communist Party, and it flowed through the, the president's brother, and then $40,000 ended up with the big guy, as they say. Uh, one of your colleagues, Mike Garcia, a Republican, quote, is it warranted? Probably. Is it politically smart? I don't know. I don't think so. I want President Biden to be on the ticket. What would you say to your colleague? Well, I'd say it's going to be tough to keep him on the ticket because you've got Democrats that are openly, you know, they used to whisper about it in the gym occasionally to me, but now they're openly speaking about it on the floors of Congress. They know they got a problem. And that's why you're seeing the the governor of California, as ridiculous as his record is, getting out there. And and, I mean, that guy, he came to Tennessee even to speak. I mean, how how much more, you know, I'm in a plus 15 district, literally. And, you know, he's, he's walking around Tennessee. So I, I think the Democrats are all scratching their head. They know they got a problem. They know Hillary Clinton's too old. And, and, and they've just got a few other choices to go with. I, I, I made that prediction a while back. I don't think Biden makes it. Yeah, okay. All right. Got to leave it there. Congressman uh, Tim Burchett, thank you, sir. Have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you next time.
Thank you, brother. See you. Bye-bye. Yep. You got it. Amisha, real quick. I mean, Republicans I are sitting around quick. waiting like scarecrows for something to happen to Joe Biden and him not to be at the top of the typical for the Democratic primary. It's not going to happen. Okay. He is going to be there. The end. And, and exactly nobody is going want. to. We actually want Great. that. We agree. Right. Okay. <laughs> Let's leave it at we Let's agree. Leave it at that. Because we've got some exciting news to announce as well. Uh, the Hill on News Nation, as you might know, set to air on Sirius XM's POTUS channel weeknights at 6 Eastern. Five Central, I know that guy there. Uh, that's starting Monday, December 4th. That young man has a So no matter where record, you are, in your car, on a walk, at work, or at home, if you want to just listen to us on the radio, uh, you can do so. Sirius XM, starting on Monday. Uh, but before then, and coming up, if Donald Trump wins the White House, would you want to work in it? Well, there is a conservative group here in Washington that is trying to pre-screen potential candidates. And now... We are getting our first look at what questions are included. We'll show you some of those next. And legislation that is being written by AI. It just happened. And now we are learning how it slipped past lawmakers. They had no clue they were being fooled by ChatGPT. The Hill on News Nation, back in a few. Welcome back here to The Hill. So former President Donald Trump is not immune from civil lawsuits blaming him for the January 6th attack at the Capitol. That is the ruling from an appeals court today. Now, the court decided that the former president's false claims of election fraud were outside of his official duties, meaning he could be held liable. Quote, when he acts outside the functions of his office, he does not continue to enjoy immunity from damages, liability, just because he happens to be president, the chief judge uh, on the on the court wrote. Scott? Yeah, this is huge because this may invite more lawsuits against Donald Trump because of what happened on January 6th. Is it the right ruling? Oh, it's the right ruling for sure. Why? Because him giving a speech and uh, a pep rally and urging them to go to the Capitol and to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power is nowhere in the official acts of the president. But it happened on January 6th, 2021. He was president until January 20th, 2021. He was he was president. But as the judge said, everything the president does, he may do as the president, but it doesn't mean he's doing it as an official act of being the president. That line of distinction means he can be sued civilly. And be honest with you, you're going to get more lawsuits on, on appeal like this, because if there are more lawsuits to get a sitting president, the line of demarcation is whether what he did to cause harm, allegedly, was done in his official capacity as an official presidential act or not. If it wasn't, he can be sued. And I'm going to have to completely disagree with that, okay? And here's why. I don't, this is the first time this has happened to a sitting president while in office, and I do not That I was also I'm, the first time wait, a sitting on, president tried to stage I, a coup and wait, stay wait, in no, office no, and eradicate time out, time the out. vote. That's just a talking point. Okay? <laughs> no, that's what happened. That's reality. 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 As president, I don't think that the Supreme Court's going to want to make that distinction because if you do that, then every single president will be sued. Let's just say tomorrow, yesterday, Pueblo, Colorado, Biden's mo motorcade hits a person. Is that actually an, an official capacity event touting Bidenomics, which is actually a campaign thing? I'm telling you, yes. there's too much gray area yes. that essentially the Supreme the Court will was say there no. To promote economy, I the, the economy. My understanding is this: Colorado. I think this is a motion to dismiss. 
Um, and that went, yes. that's what went up on appeal, which means that the president will still be able to argue later on that this was an official act. All they said today is it can go forward. It doesn't mean the president loses. And he's still going to be able to make the, the case. Because I, I, I agree with Ford on this, is that essentially every president for every action could be sued going forward. And then the president will have to prove at, at that future date that that action was official. And I okay. don't think the courts are going to stand All right. Well, as uh, Donald Trump grapples with his legal cases, his allies are preparing to win back the White House. That's what they're trying to do. Axios <laughs> obtaining the Trump job applications from the Heritage Foundation's Project 2025. Now, the questionnaire covers a broad range of issues from education to immigration. So this is, look, Donald Trump, when he got into the White House day one, they were flat-footed. They weren't ready. Yeah. Couldn't get people in. And the goal here is, if he wins again, don't repeat that. So now the questionnaire has things like the U.N., should have authority over citizens of public policies of sovereign nations, yes or no. The U.S. has the right to select immigrants based on country of origin. Stuff like what you what you see on your screen now. Those questions are completely legitimate. The heritage stuff is actually not that surprising. It's on education, on foreign policy, on immigration. It's exactly what you expect. The interesting thing is the questions that came out about, you know, who's your favorite public figure? Who's, okay. mold, who's your favorite? So book? now there's who, another. Who which camera is mine? This is my camera right now. Is this my camera or is this my camera? Pick one. There we go. So here are the people who want to be in the next Trump administration. When they ask you who your favorite politician is, it's Donald J. Trump. When they ask you what your favorite book is, it's Art of the Deal. That's what this is all about. It's a loyalty test, not a competency test. I, 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 before, I he's a, before he's been elected or even nominated, this, this is out there. This, this is, is no so different than what major corporations do when you apply for a senior fellowship. He's doing the exact same thing. So they ask these yeah. very similar questions. Mm-hmm. Favorite book? Um, who do you look up to? They ask questions yeah. that are along those lines. In addition, to policy-related questions to align with whatever organization it is that you stand under. I don't think that those questions are problematic. Him jumping out in front and doing this now just tells us what we already knew about Donald Trump. He's, what, 40-plus percentage points against other Republicans here? He sees this as a win. The Democrats have been keeping databases like this for years. The Republicans were caught flat-footed. This is about filtering out people that, how shall I say, are Romney Republicans from joining the next administration, but also making sure you put people... He also doesn't want the Republicans that he had the last administration who now have it's also about making sure you put people in the right positions. You're not going to put an open borders person at the Department of Homeland Security. Well, but this okay. is also about Blake's, this. Blake's point is correct, which is they did get caught flat-footed last time. It yeah. took time to find. They didn't expect to win. They do expect to win this time. It's not inappropriate to start this now. Does, is Trump acting like he's going to win? Yeah, because he, he thinks he's going to win. I don't think that's Trump inappropriate. Loyalist. Yes. So when it, when he loses, he the next, hold on, loyalist, that's right. No loyalist, blind loyalist. He does he doesn't want anybody to push back, especially if he loses and wants to stay in the White House illegally. Right. He wants those decisions to be made in his favor versus against him, like they did last time with the DOJ. Well, God bless. Those independent Republicans. Yeah, who you blasted on the way in the door at the DOJ. (laughs) We should note, uh, before we go, a trailblazer in Washington passed away today, the former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. She was the first woman to ever serve on the high court. During her 24-year tenure, her voice was key in some of the most momentous, uh, monumentous, uh, momentous rather, Supreme Court decisions on issues like affirmative action, abortion, and civil rights. And her vote was critical when she sided with four other justices on the decision affirming George W. Bush winning the contested 2000 election. The Chief Justice John Roberts remembered her as someone who met challenges with undaunted determination, indisputable ability, and engaging candor. Sandra Day O'Connor, 93 years old. Coming up, 
here on the Hill. No more truce. The fighting resumes between Israel and Hamas. But why is the United Auto Workers now putting out their position on this? They, they did today, we'll ask. And then there's this. You're down 41 points in your own home state. So what California represents is the Biden-Harris agenda on steroids. Two different ideologies, Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom facing off red state versus blue state. Who won? Was there a winner? Did you watch? Mm. We'll debate when the Hill returns. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So if you were, were watching this show the other day, you'll remember uh, that we started the show off with a, a member of Congress's office that was vandalized by anti-Israel demonstrators. And Mick Mulvaney, you said at the time, you said what? I said that uh, what's going to happen next is that somebody's, so th- this is going to come into their homes. This is going to come to their houses where their families and, are. And as a casual person, someone who's never been in Congress, I, I was like, whoa, what do you mean that? Huh. Everybody knows where we live. Our, our cell phone numbers are available. Our home addresses are available. People follow us around right. all the time. When I ran for office, the Democrats would go through my garbage. So, so, so people, you're not a private person when you're a member of Congress. Here's why I bring it up. Congressman Adam Smith, state of Washington, moments ago, quote, last night my house was vandalized by people advocating for a ceasefire in Israel and Gaza. This attack is sadly reflective of the coarsening of the political discourse in our country and is completely unwarranted, unnecessary, and harmful to our political system. Member of Congress at his doorstep. You know what's really offensive? I'm sorry. No, no she was shaking her head. But we've seen this. At this point, we have seen not necessarily anti-Semitism, but we've seen the attacks on sitting Congress members ratchet up. We've seen it in terms of language, but we've also seen people show up on their doorsteps. Because to a point, Mick made, it is easy to find out where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still you know, reeling from what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. I think that when, when we look at how aggressive our politics have become, there is something to be said about people taking things way too far. This is disgusting. And I don't care what side of the aisle you stand on. There should be people calling it out. And there should be people also trying to decrease the temperature here because these incidents keep growing. You know, should be what's really offensive. in jail for this. Absolutely. Yeah, what's really offensive to me is that. But, but also, this is a form of intimidation. Right. Vandalism and attacks on your home, your family is and your office where you got staffers making 20 grand a year. It's a form of intimidation and it's not going to work. It shouldn't work. And so it's really stupid to do because you lose the your point more than anything. And you're not going to change the minds of what or whatever changes you're trying to make by committing either violence or vandalism. What it will do, however, mm-hmm. is it will drive good people out of Congress. Hmm. Yeah. They'll We're seeing that at record numbers right now, right? It's not worth it. it. You won't be able to get good staff. You yeah. won't be able to get good But it's not just Congress. Look at that Oakland City Council meeting that, like, went off the rails when it came down to the situation of, of anti-Semitism and Hamas. I mean, this is going on everywhere. As I've said before, anti-Semitism is the top problem in America when it comes to hate crimes. And unfortunately, a lot of people think, particularly in the social justice movement, mm-hmm. that the ends justify the means. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just Congress. This I don't is going to go on I, everywhere. I, I don't you're believe making that, a holistic argument that I don't think is true. Don't forget about racism. But what are you it's talking about? It's going on. No, that's but, a form of racism. But it, but it is racism. But what I am right. trying to say is, if you look at the FBI statistics, it's 60% of the no, hate crimes. No, I'm not saying the anti-Semitism But it's going on around the world and that racism is also here as well against Jewish people. No, but what I am saying is that you 
you are arguing that this is happening at, at rates where essentially younger people and individuals who are on the left are actually making this uh, making this a bigger deal. Or yes, because 36 percent of Democrats do, do not support. And, people are sick and tired of there being only one vision of things that are going on in the Middle East. They they have watched the bombings of they've watched indiscriminate killings of Palestinians and they have questions. Because they are Hamas, wondering why Israel is not held to account. They understand that Hamas is a terrorist organization, but they also understand that innocent women and children are dying. That critical infrastructure is getting See, blown you up. You are walking that around matters. the anti-Semitism question. You're not. Yes, no, you are. You really are. I, I shot down and the Jewish state together but are, two, are two states. But the Hamas doesn't want a two-state solution. I, That's the point. I'm Hamas not support of Hamas. The I don't support population. Hamas at yes, all. Yes, but they are Hamas the elected government of Palestine. Uh, it doesn't matter. Hamas is, is as responsible for those innocent people being killed because they're using them to defend themselves as if you want to blame the, uh, the collateral damage. Okay? I blame Israel and Hamas um, um, equally, if you're going to have collateral I damage on people dying in Gaza, Nick, I'll give you. I'm going to give Nick the last word about? here, and then I want to move on to what that. we watched last I night. I want to come back to where we, well, we that's started, what's which been is reported. This is it's intimidation. It's wrong. I'll be curious to see what the reaction is from local law enforcement. I hope that people go to jail for this. If this had been a right wing group that had done this to Adam, Adam's a Democrat and a good man. I know him. I served with him. If it had been a right wing group, if it had been a white supremacist group that did this, there'd be screaming for heads. And I want the same reaction to the folks, even right. though they were pro-Palestinian. Uh, pro All right. Uh, last night. Fair enough. Talk about screaming for heads. I got text messages from Mulvaney like, are you watching this? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, roll the tape from what we saw last night as Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom debated each other one-on-one. In a matter of weeks, Sean, he'll be endorsing Donald Trump as a nominee for the Republican Party. So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he was really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, oh, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. Zing! (laughs) (laughs) That was the highlight. So so last night... um, who, who wants who wants to start? I don't know. I mean, it's entertainment. <laughs> Keep it to a minute. Get going, Misha. I, I would say, like, going into it, I said that DeSantis had everything to lose and nothing to gain. Um, and coming out of it, I still believe the exact same thing. He was outmatched in terms of wit. He was outmatched in terms of stats. He was outmatched in terms of preparation. He, he's historically just not a good debater. Um, on top of that, the question was, who is he trying to reach right now? And I don't think that that was answered by that debate, because one of the things that I saw from Gavin Newsom that was amazing that the DNC needs to figure out how to do is classify exactly what Bidenomics is and name it. 14 million jobs. More jobs were created in this administration than all the past three Republican administrations combined. Republicans have not been able to rise, have not been able to point to how this is destructive. He talked about an economy that makes sense. You can't change feelings. He talked about... you know how the American but they're public facts. feels. These are facts. But, but they're not facts. facts. But people, people, don't, people don't vote on Most facts. They vote on how they're feeling. Unemployment rate in American history. It, that matters. And let me say this. I found it very instructive, too, because when I watch Gavin Newsom, he is considered the best and most effective communicator in the Democratic Party. He told me the 2024 playbook. Lie with impunity. And then call your GOP opponent a bully or a racist, and then sit there and try to score as many identity politics points as you can and hope that independence don't over your line. That was the entire 2024 playbook. 
I got a different perspective on the whole thing. <laughs> Do you want me to start with your tweets from last night? Does that set you up? I gave up after 20 minutes. Here, here, was, here was Mick. Here was Mick, and then, I'll, and then, and then we'll wind him up. Uh, quote, am I the only person who's given up on the Fox News debate after 20 minutes? This is just horrible television. Such a shame. I'm going back to the Seahawks-Cowboys game. And I do this. But the Cowboys won. I'd, I'd like to. Buy two TVs is my suggestion. This is, this is what I do, right? This is what Great. I do for a living. I like politics, and I'm engaged in this. I really wanted, I know Ron, I don't know Gavin. Uh, I wanted to see a debate last night. What I saw was a shouting match. One of the things I like about this show is, despite every now and then we get into it a little bit, we were respectful of each other when we stopped talking when someone else is talking. We saw none of that last night. It was a yell fest, and Sean Hannity let it happen. And I wanted, none of these things are going to be what people remember, okay? It's good. What you're going to remember is how awful it was and how quickly you could have turned off the time. I have two questions here. One, for you. Um, Ron DeSantis, Republicans in Florida, what are they saying after last night? He needs to get back. To, I mean, they think he did a great job, but o- there's an overall narrative that Ron DeSantis has got to beat, and the fact is they want him to come home because they believe that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee and basically continue okay. in the Republican primary is a waste of time. Question two, for the Democrats, uh, Gavin Newsom. When you look at whenever he's going to run at some point, 28, 32, whenever, who knows? Did, were you more hopeful? Were you more optimistic? Or were, were, you, were you more bullish on Gavin Newsom after last well, night or were you bearish? Well, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gavin Newsom. He's a great debater. He's going to make a great candidate, regardless of whether he's too far left or, or middle left. Uh, so I didn't, that didn't change whatsoever. I think what he demonstrated, he didn't have to demonstrate this and participate. What he demonstrated was that he is really the future standard bearer and can articulate whether it's Bidenomics or the Democratic platform. Misha. I, I agree with that 100%. Um, it has been very hard, sadly, for some of the leaders right now in the Democratic Party to be able to do exactly what Gavin Newsom was able to do seamlessly last night. Engage younger voters, engage voters of color, really stand on the Democratic platform, showcase how it is working for people. And facts. On every single fact, from gas prices to taxation to how many people can, left the state of California, we can go back the and one, forth. The one thing I do want to say about Gavin Newsom, he did right. I want to know whatever kind of teeth whitener he has oh, because gosh. I need it. Uh, he's Hollywood man, and uh, he, was, he was looking good. That football, that football, football game, though. We're not talking about yeah, is what's Gavin Newsom going to do, and when Kamala Harris, who's from the same state, what are they going to do in regard to who's running for president? Was she next? the one who was polling less than one percent in Iowa? Doesn't matter. She's very popular with the base. Okay. That football game, though. Forty-one thirty-five, well. Mick Cowboy. I think it score 41 every night. My God. Cowboy defense didn't show up. Cowboys are 14 and 0 at home. <laughs> there you go. From the guy who just spent 10 days. Was this the issue on the Cowboys? <laughs> All right. Well, we have a big debate next week here on News Nation. As you know, we're hosting the GOP primary debate Wednesday, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central. It'll be moderated by Sirius XM's Megan Kelly, News Nation's own Elizabeth Vargas, and Eliana Johnson from the Washington Free Beacon. By the way, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's taking part in the debate, will join us live on the Hill on Monday. We are live, by the way, uh, next week in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. See us all week long from Alabama, 5 o'clock Eastern, right here on News Nation. But before then, and coming up, social media. How one state has failed to take down TikTok. This was a big win for an app that a lot of people have a lot of worries about. And the power of AI. Can it do the job of a lawmaker? See what happens when we ask ChatGPT to write up a bill. We did it. We'll share it with you coming up. All right, welcome back here to The Hill. So Montana's attempt to ban TikTok is now on the ropes. A federal judge blocked the state's 
first in the nation law that would ban the app just one month before it was set to take effect. The judge saying it would, quote, limit constitutionality protected by the First Amendment speech. Now, the ruling is a big win for TikTok, who had challenged the bill, saying that it went, quote, completely overboard in trying to regulate the app. Scott? Complete ban was too... Uh, was too sweeping, according to the, the federal judge. This will be appealed, but I think in the interim, you've got to have a compelling state interest to abridge the rights, a fundamental right like the First Amendment, right? And the compelling state interest was health or national security or state security. Montana's the only state that has tried to ban TikTok privately as well as publicly, vis-a-vis -vis the government versus the private sector. The other states that have done it have just limited it to the phones and the uh, pieces that they can control. Here, Montana wanted everything, and the judge said that's far too sweeping because you couldn't make that connection to health, safety, or, or national security. And I want to say one thing on that. When it comes to our law, and when it comes to social media, when it comes to the internet, when it comes to AI, I will tell you that our law is way behind yeah. the times. We do want to protect the First Amendment at all costs, but I'll say this when it comes to TikTok. I'm the Chinese Communist Party. I couldn't think of a better app to spread disinformation, create social unrest, and gather pattern of life data. Frankly, this is the near-perfect tool for the Chinese Communist Party to literally take over America. Yeah, why does it count in, in a crazy world, I agree with 100%. Um, I, I do think that this is, being utilized. <laughs> this is being utilized, one, to recruit young people to, in some ways, brainwash those young people. We've seen some of the messages that have been sent across to them that are, quite frankly, really disturbing. But the federal government cannot get a hold on what types of regulations are necessary and how to get this done. We've seen, um, we've seen the hearings. They were horrible yeah. in the same way they were for Facebook. Instagram and any other. You mean the TikTok hearing with the CEO? Yeah, and all it was. That. It was the horrible. octogenarians <laughs> in the center are still trying to keep up with the typewriter. So hold on. But, but I do think that the fears are legitimate, and that there should be some regulations placed on it, just because, quite frankly, it's going to determine where, how long our democracy can stand. Because a lot of the anti-Semitism that you talked about in the previous state, uh, segment is also being pushed across this platform and is seeping into a lot of young people. Elon Musk was making and that point that level today, of violence the and what they are believing is right. really scary. All right. Over to Brazil now, and what could potentially here be a first? A councilman in the town of Porto Alegre is now admitting that he used artificial intelligence to write new legislation. Now, the ordinance involved stolen water meters, and none, none of them, of his 35 colleagues at the time, had any idea that it was written by ChatGPT, word for word. It would have gone completely unnoticed, by the way, had the councilman not bragged about it on social media earlier this week. <laughs> the, uh, the council president from that town found out about it and is now calling it a quote-unquote dangerous precedent. Chat GPT writing legislation. I don't think you, it doesn't bother me at all. It really For, like a, at a federal level, even, it wouldn't bother you? You're still going to have somebody review it. You still have somebody sign it. You still have somebody say, look, I'm going to sponsor this piece of legislation. If you ask a clerk in your office to write it, if you ask a lawyer down the hallway to write it, or if you ask a machine to write it, what difference does it make? It's the hmm. end of product that Chet counts. GPT is writing college admissions essays. It's writing curriculum. It's writing, it's writing people's press releases. Chet GPT uh, is writing everything right now. Uh, anyway. Agree. Now, here's the point. How long until the lobbyists on K Street crack chat GPT, and then we have absolutely no oversight. You and I discussed this. The you biggest problem here is going to be the oversight, and I don't think that we have oversight. Stop for a second. I mean, that's already happened because I mean, lobbyists downtown, and this is this has oh. gone on for a hundred years. We'll actually bring finished pieces of legislation. Yeah. Of course. Say, this yeah. is, so, what difference does it make? But my my point is, is now I've got so. a double review problem. Okay, and, and a lot of people what like is if a you, double review. You, you and I have you and I have discussed this. You write things on Chat GPT. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You really have to scan it because a lot of times it passes through and you don't realize where the error. 
numbers are. So it depends. Do you have the papers? No, no. no, I'm a college professor. I deal with this all the time. I can't tell you. I wondered earlier. Would your students use it to write your term papers? They do. Okay, but you can't always detect it. I'm able to see it when I actually. I wondered. I wondered earlier today. I said, hmm. How hard would it be to write uh, legislation on AI? You need more. So I plug. I went over to ChatGPT and I tried to write a bill. This is funny. And the bill would be Mick Mulvaney cannot shoot over 80 in golf. And ChatGPT spit out for me the Golf Score Integrity Act. It gave me seven different sections. Uh, Section... Four said the golf score oversight committee shall consist of three members appointed by the Speaker of the House, the Senate Majority Leader, and the President, <laughs> respectively. There's a sunset provision. There's enforcement, so on and so forth. So, wait, so, the, the, so there the, you go. The President is going to be judging my my golf score. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. The, the point that. is, you can go into Chat GPT and have them pound out any sort of legislation. Was there a scoring provision? Uh, there is a scoring. There is a scoring provision in there. Uh, can I ask it how, to, how it can help me break 80? Well, that it can't do. Uh, I don't know. If, give it time. That's why I asked about the scoring There you provision. go. It's that easy. You can just go and plug it in and do it. All right. Coming up next hour on Elizabeth Vargas Reports, Connell McShane will be filling in for Elizabeth tonight. He'll be joined by the great aunt of Abigail Eden. She, of course, is the four-year-old American released uh, from Hamas captivity on Sunday. Uh, amazing. Uh, it'll, it'll be incredible to hear what she has to say and, and of course, to hear how that, that young child's doing. Six o'clock Eastern, uh, seven minutes from now, right here on News Nation. But before then, from the comedy stage to Capitol Hill, Dave Chappelle meets up with lawmakers. So what is he doing there? Some final thoughts from the panel next. Tonight on Dan Abrams Live, it's a Friday all-star panel. What are Nikki Haley's chances of winning it all? And could Arab American voters sink President Biden's chances? Plus, did Elon Musk really say that to ex's advertisers? Tonight on Dan Abrams Live. You, sir. Before we say goodbye, here's a headline. Try to keep it together. Keep keep a straight face. Mulvaney cracking jokes. Speaking of cracking jokes, uh, that guy right there, Dave Chappelle, uh, was up on Capitol Hill the other day. Yesterday here in Washington, a couple pictures for you. Let's get to them. Uh, Congressman Byron Donald's taking a picture with, the, uh, with Chappelle in the halls of the Capitol. Uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert uh, with him as well, posting a picture. Just three people who understand that there's only two genders. Congresswoman Rose. <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. Um, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, does everything have to be political? Seriously. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, I, 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 I'm a big George Carlin fan, right? Okay. Oh, God, yeah. God rest his soul, but he's, you know, he's, 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 he's not politically correct. Mm-hmm. I don't want politics in my comedy. I don't want politics in my sports. If I want politics, I can come here and I can get it. But if I want to watch the Dallas game, I can't. Politicians <laughs> are all basically, they want to be movie actors or comedians. Well, that was my I thing. Mean, that's like, the whole thing. All, all the time. Humper. This is what I was telling the staff. <laughs> this is what I was telling the, our, our team earlier today. I was like, you know, in my four and a half years at the White House, I never took a picture with anyone. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't like, oh, so-and-so is here? Mm-hmm. Cool. But I never, yeah. like, got the selfish. You know, Not Chappelle, me. Everyone's a, different. A, a lot of his, real quick, a lot yeah. of his uh, comedy is, um, is political, but he's a very humble guy. One yeah. Mark Twain Award a few years back. 